950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. We've uh, had to start addressing the fact that, uh, well, two things. One, the history of how our major road system was built, which unfortunately was was built upon racism usually uh, as they built these major highways across these the, the, not only this city but across the country but as well the fact that they have more problems than you know they generally cause more problems than they solve at times in regards to how that they're designed we are currently in the the, the position of reimagining some highways, particularly 94 from the stretch from 35E to 35W. Uh, and the organization, Our Streets Minneapolis, had an essay written by Joe Harrington this morning in the Minnesota Reformer. I want to talk about that. Joe Harrington is a student in St. Paul studying urban geography and environmental policy. He is a GIS and data organizer for Our Streets Minneapolis. And Our Streets Minneapolis works to put people first by transforming transportation and infrastructure in the Twin Cities and at the state level. We do this by making our streets places where people can easily and comfortably walk, bike, roll, and use public transit. Joe, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. Hi there, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time talking to you. All right. So first of all, let's talk about your essay. When it comes to I-94, let's consider people not cars. Um, There's a lot of suggestions on what's going to happen here. Uh, with Interstate 94, particularly, once again, from 35E to 35W. The Rondo neighborhood's been talked about a lot here. Uh, to, why don't you just start off by talking a little bit about what, what's going on right now and and then kind of get into what R Streets Minneapolis wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. So starting off with this Rethinking I-94 project, and the real idea of the project started back in 2016 when then-MinDOT Commissioner Charlie Zelli initiated the project. And I-94 between Minneapolis and St. Paul, like many other roadways in the U.S., is reaching the end of its useful life. The infrastructure has been there for over 60 years, and we have a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity to kind of reevaluate and reimagine what we want this corridor to be for the next 100 years or so. And, you know, where we're at right now in that process, our streets Minneapolis has worked really hard to center community in this conversation because so often in these past highway and other urban planning decisions, community voices were ignored, and we want to center them in the conversation here. As you mentioned earlier, systemic racism behind highway planning and placement has led to these historic and ongoing harms that disproportionately fall on communities of color along these corridors. And if we continue to, you know, now that we're reevaluating the highway, if we continue to ignore these harms, we're, you know, guilty of being complicit in perpetuating them for future generations to come. And because transportation is such an intersectional issue, it's important to environmental justice, it's important to community health, communities' economies, people's mobility, uh, we have to really think carefully before we spend a huge amount of money on a mega project. So I-94, Rethinking I-94, and what the Twin Cities Boulevard vision has become is a community-driven vision to reimagine the corridor, do a highway-to-boulevard conversion, and has really been a community vision. You know, We've knocked over 30,000 doors along the corridor, 70% of those people who responded are in favor for studying a highway to boulevard conversion that centers, you know, people and places that are, you know, traditionally marginalized, but providing them with access to transportation infrastructure that actually works for them. So having uh, diverse options for transit, biking, rolling, walking, reconnecting street grids, and allowing for some redevelopment for community business and affordable housing. That's kind of the project from 90,000 feet, you know. 
<laughs> well, and and very well said, by the way. Um, let's 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 expand a little bit about this interstate to boulevard idea, just to make sure we everyone understands what we're talking about here. You're you're it, it sounds basically like you want to fill in the you know the the gap that is 94, especially particularly through the midway, and. On top of, you know, at street level where the street level is now, not the interstate level, but the street level, you know, flush that out and, and turn it into a boulevard. Is it, you know, are we thinking something like Summit Avenue or what, what kind of boulevard are we kind of talking about here? Yeah, so we're promoting an idea that's actually been studied in other parts of the U.S. cities like Syracuse, Rochester, uh, Duluth even here in Minnesota are at various different points of scoping, evaluating, studying or implementing a similar project. But what we're advocating for is a multimodal boulevard. So what that means is that, you know, the trench that I-94, you know, has through all of the communities along uh, the corridor. So that's from, you know, Miriam Park, Frogtown, Cedar Riverside, Seward, Hamlin Midway, Rondo, others. All of these communities have been subjected to these harms, as we just said. And we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to both, you know, reconnect the street grid, reimagine the infrastructure there so you know, people not only have better access to goods and services, but they can bike through that area safely. They can walk and roll through that area safely. They have access to really good, high-quality transit. So what that means in the context of a highway to boulevard conversion is that there would still be some through traffic lanes, but there would also be dedicated space for public transit, for biking, for walking, for green space. And then the remaining land that the highway and the highway trench and the frontage roads currently occupy could be redeveloped into housing, and community businesses and green space. So all of these things are definitely something that our community voices that we've been centering in our conversation have been asking for. And it's something that we have been you know, pushing MnDOT to both study, evaluate, and eventually ultimately implement. But all of these cities across Minnesota, across the U.S., went over major surgery in the 1960s when highways were built. Mm-hmm. And it is true that these areas didn't have the highways prior to that, and they had vibrant communities and they were targeted for destruction oftentimes because of its a high you know, percentage communities of color. So this is something that's, you know, maybe seen as radical to some, but we're kind of in a state both with these systemic harms in our city and around the country, these, you know, racist planning policies, these environmental justice issues, these transportation issues, the climate crisis. It's very intersectional. So the highway to boulevard conversion is the best way to address those corridor wide for the 100,000 people who live along the corridor. So I'm going to um, and, and just make sure we understand this. This is this would change. This boulevard would run from it looks like Marion Street in St. Paul, so just to the west of of Rice Street, uh, Marion Street through Midway, past 280, across the river, over to basically 55, where it hits 35W. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That's the uh, the project corridor as MnDOT has defined it for the Rethinking I-94 project. So that's where we have the opportunity to make, you know, the biggest impact as far as, uh, you know, repairing these systemic harms and also protecting our climate and environment as well. So it's the communities along that entire corridor who are affected. I do like the images, and I'll encourage you to go read the story, the essay over it at MnPost, because it at least gives you an idea of what we're looking at here and just what you've got here. Uh, and and it, and it talks about and right now let's let's talk about what's there right now. You've got what is it three to four lanes? I think at, at some points it's five lanes on each side of ninety four east west. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. So currently, you know, there are a couple of options. They they presented ten different options for rethinking I ninety four, and these are project alternatives that they're going to continue to evaluate 
over the next year or so during a scoping period. So what this is going to look like, there were, you know, options ranging from, you know, highway to boulevard conversion. Like there were two options uh, that were kind of promoting that vision. And that's a huge win for the Twin Cities Boulevard concept, but we don't feel that it goes far enough to actually center community voices and community vision to make sure that their perspectives and their desires for the infrastructure in their communities are heard. So we're continuing to advocate for that work. But there were other options that range from a no build, so kind of leaving the highway in the state that it's currently in, uh, a changing the frontage roads so there'd basically be some local traffic lanes and some smaller through traffic lanes, all the way up to highway expansion, which would add additional lanes for, uh, they call it a managed lane, for both east and westbound for additional traffic, high, that would be your HOV lane or a dedicated transit lane, but also continuing to have the same number of other travel lanes as well. So it would be a highway expansion that, according to MnDOT themselves, could bring up to 25% more traffic through the corridor. What, you know, is there a re- reason why? Because one of the ones that got a lot of traction and people were talking about was a land bridge in the Rondo neighborhood particularly, but I, I don't see why you probably couldn't do this across, especially Cedar Riverside over on the Minneapolis side. Is there is there a reason why the idea of a land bridge with being able to develop, um, you know, walkways, pedestrian walkways, bike lanes, maybe even transit lanes on a uh, on on top of these highways? Is there a reason why that your organization is is not doesn't like that idea? Well, we believe, and this is actually something that's come up a lot in our work in communities too, and this has been centered in all of the communities along the corridor, especially you know Cedar Riverside, Seward. Frogtown, Hamlin Midway, Miriam Park, uh, other areas that, you know, are not going to be benefited by a land bridge. So the land bridge has a very narrow, uh, a narrow, narrow benefits, and it actually would only, you know, there's only a small percentage of the 100,000 people who live along the corridor that would actually be affected by that project. In any case, with a land bridge, it basically leaves MnDOT uh, to build, rebuild, or expand the highway however they see fit without solving the harms that disproportionately fall on communities of color living in other places along the corridor mm-hmm. from Minneapolis to St. Paul and a land bridge, you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't go far enough. So we're hoping to see a vision that really centers all communities along the corridor uh, and making sure that both these, you know, systemic racist harms and environmental harms, all of which that are both historic and ongoing are addressed in the project. All right. So I'm going to bring up, I, I've, I was in, in a past life, a traffic reporter. Um, I'm going to bring up the most obvious thing that when I see this project, I'm like, okay, wait a second here. I-94 is the major east-west road that carries 160, according to CARE 11, 160,000 cars per day. That is a fairly substantial amount of traffic. What your your plan doesn't create, and I want to be very clear, and this is it's just you're going to take 94 and convert it to a boulevard. It doesn't make another major highway here it basically has two lanes of traffic but it's at intersections with traffic lights as it's boulevarded through it 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 doesn't have this um what has your study shown about the impact of taking a major highway that does have a substantial amount of traffic and removing it what where would all that traffic go yeah, that's certainly a very good question, and it's a concern that's cited by many at MnDOT, and it's something that people in the community ask about as well. And while it is a valid concern, just from the community standpoint, it's important to remember that a lot of communities along the corridor who bear the disproportionate burdens that the freeway infrastructure and land use uh, and environmental issues, you know, kind of cause, 
a lot of them actually don't have access to a car. So we're trying to promote a vision that, you know, one, prioritizes the communities and, and helps them, you know, repair these historic arms, but two, makes an, an infrastructure that's also available for them to use. And talking about uh, traffic in this conversation, it's very important to think about two concepts called induced demand and traffic evaporation. And these, these two concepts are, are related. They're the opposite. So induced demand is a principle that states as you widen a highway, the increased lanes make it more appealing to drive. And that could also be true as if we keep the number of lanes the same in this case. Uh, the increased traffic levels and the congestion in some cases are actually just as bad, if not worse, prior to highway expansion. You can look at there's a famous example in Houston. It's North America's biggest freeway, the Katy Freeway. <laughs> yeah. It's up to 26 lanes today. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of been falling trapped to the, you know, it's actually, I guess, kind of a common problem in places around the U.S., the unstoppable appeal of highway expansion, as, as Bloomberg, Bloomberg puts it. But they did a great study on that, and it shows that even, you know, after highway expansion, it only made congestion worse just three years later. So beyond Houston, this principle has been studied in other places, and that piece, uh, Why Widening Highways Doesn't Bring Traffic Relief by Bloomberg, mm -hmm. does a great job explaining it, as well as resources on our website. But the flip side is also true. So induced demand is more lanes, more traffic, but traffic evaporation is the opposite. So less lanes leads to less traffic in general uh, terms. So as lanes are reduced, driving becomes less appealing. Commuters choose other options, such as biking, walking, riding high-quality transit. And in some cases, trips are removed altogether by changes in land use. So if we redevelop areas along the, the highway land that's along the corridor there, if you had more housing, more access to goods and services, it would actually change people's uh, – could potentially change people's choices as where they live and how they locate themselves near their job or near – resources that they need to access in the community. Um, and COVID, too, you know, remote work has changed a lot of these things, and MnDOT well, hasn't really accounted for that in their modeling, you know, work from home. So there's also less trips in general on the highway. Joe, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Los Angeles is another city where they keep building lanes and it doesn't get any better. The reality is this is 94. This is the major east-west road. So you're going to have to divert a lot of traffic that's just cutting through the city, which means Oakdale, North St. Paul, Badness Heights, Little Canada, Roseville, Shoreview, uh, New Brighton, they're going to pick up a heck of a lot more traffic. Or if it goes up 35W, Little Canada up onto 694. That traffic's going to be there. The reality as well is I, my guess is going to be is that with this design that you're putting forward, that just having looked at when, when we had traffic lights on 12, we had traffic lights on 169. Now, those weren't boulevards, uh, but there were traffic lights there. What you end up doing is you're going to create a massive amount of traffic there. We're reducing the lanes from three to five lanes down to two lanes. So you're going to have a massive amount of traffic there, especially morning, afternoon drive. University Summit, any road that goes east-west in St. Paul as well is going to pick up an insane amount of traffic. I love it if we could be like Europe. I lived in Europe for three years. I would love it if we could be like that. That's just not something that's going to be attainable quickly. And so when when you look at this, I mean, that's a big problem. I mean, that's a lot of vehicles, and it almost feels like what you're saying is, well, for the St. Paul people, we're going to make their life – we're going to try to make their lives better, whether or not there will be more traffic. But for anyone on the 694 loop or 35E to 694 loop, eh, you're going to, we're going to make your life a little worse because there's going to be a lot more traffic there. And that's, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, there's just a lot of vehicles that just take 94 right through the city. Well, I would just like to say, I guess, starting on the idea of quickness, 
you know, none of these changes are going to be quick. The project is actually probably not even, you know, 10 years out from construction. It's going to take a long time to scope, do environmental impact assessments, and then actually narrow down which project alternative will actually take place. And what we're talking about here, repairing systemic harms that have been happening for hundreds of years in the U.S. and even earlier elsewhere is also not going to be a quick fix. So, you know, I understand that it seems, again, radical for, you know, us to kind of push for this type of thing. But one, you know, Minnesota and the Twin Cities really has to have and is having a, a reckoning around racial and environmental justice uh, in the wake of the George Floyd mur- murders and the events of the last couple of years. So we really need to do think we need to think boldly and act boldly and plan boldly going forward to, re- you know, both respect, repair and protect communities throughout the Twin Cities. Um, it's not necessarily maybe the commuting time is, you know, worsened for suburban commuters in some cases. We don't really know fully yet because this hasn't been studied to the full, you know, extent that MnDOT, we're pushing MnDOT to do, uh, do you know, an in-depth feasibility study. But it's not necessarily the idea of making it worse because we're all better in the Twin Cities if our communities are protected from these disproportionate harms that benefit, you know, mostly commuters and fall disproportionately on these urban communities along mm-hmm. urban highways. So I think we're all better when we do better in this case. And again, it's not going to be a quick fix. This is going to be a change that happens over a long period of time. Land use has to change. Higher investment in public transit has to change. But I do think, again, you know, this moment of racial reckoning here, as well as the climate crisis all summer, we've been dealing with wildfire smoke from Canada. And if these two factors are not really the impetus for thinking boldly and acting boldly and trying to change the way we plan and design and imagine our cities, then I'm not sure what will. I agree with what a lot you're trying to do here, but I think we we do need to ask the question of, okay, what do we do with the 160,000 vehicles? Because a boulevard's not going to be able to handle that, and 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 so you and as you say, is it, it creates more lo- locality. Um, I live in Hopkins, and I go to St. Paul all the time um, to go to the, to the you know go to the Science Museum, go to the XL Energy Center, go to the theater and stuff over there. If it's one of those things where now all of a sudden I'm going to add 30 minutes to my commute to get over there because we shut down one of the major roads and it's constantly busy, I, I don't I don't know if that's – I think that – I agree with a lot of what you're trying to do here, but I think that there has to be a practicality element of it. And it's easy. You're right. Climate change is bad. The, what, what, the, the racial injustice that created these highways is god-awful. Highway 55. I was just reading about that one today. But I think we, we – the damage to a point at one point has been done, and we have this a lot of traffic here, and just sort of saying it will go somewhere else. I think we have to have a better plan for that. It might be, I think it'd be a wash if you want to know the truth, if you, as opposed to if you think just about the distance on 94 through St. Paul, through Minneapolis, up to 694. If you routed it around on just 694 and kind of removed that, I think that's kind of a wash. It's not adding too much time, gas, or anything like that, but you're going to have to put a major investment into the expansion of that highway to carry all those extra trucks that are no longer going through the midway area. And so I, I think that there's just that if that's the only thing here is I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think there has to be an application of practicality here that you can't just sort of say, well, we hope it's OK. It's got to be where does all those trucks go or how where all those vehicles go? Yeah, I think we, we want to do more than hope it will be OK. And we want to have a, an actual viable study conducted by MnDOT or other organizations that can actually evaluate this because – you know, we want to actually have a realistic idea using models that both, you know, encompass traffic evaporation and induced demand, but also talk about land use in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, could actually model potentially 
what the land use changes would actually do towards the number of trips through that area, as we talked about traffic evaporation. But I just want to reiterate, you know, the damage has, you know, you, you mentioned that the damage has been done, but the damage is actually ongoing and will continue to harm generations into the future. You know, I'm in my 20s now. The next time that we reevaluate this corridor will probably be 80 to 100 years from now. And if we continue to perpetuate these harms and think about, you know, the, in terms of only using traffic as a metric, then we're going to continue to do the same urban planning and traffic and highway mistakes that planners have made in the past. Mm-hmm. And those were intentional then, and we just want to make sure we're not complicit in that today. But we're advocating for, you know, eventually to en- enact this proposal. But in the meantime, we have to study it. And we're, we're pushing MnDOT to actually do a study in good faith that represents the community's voices and enacts that vision. But it has to be studied, and we're not, you know, we're not saying the traffic isn't a consideration because it does weigh in a lot of people's minds. But in general, in the context of this climate crisis, in the context of repairing these harms on local communities, we really do have to think boldly. And I think that, you know, letting traffic be the only stopper of that is not not necessarily the right way to move forward because we do have other roads through the communities. And obviously, you know, we don't want to divert traffic elsewhere in the Twin Cities, but the harms that are on these disproportionately marginalized communities along the corridor have really high populations. They've been historically harmed there. And uh, we want to make sure to center them in this conversation as we reevaluate the corridor. Joe Harrington from R Streets, Minneapolis. Joe, I appreciate the time. I'll post the article up a little bit later on. And uh, thank you very much. I appreciate your, your time today, okay? Thank you. I appreciate your time, and I'd encourage everyone to fill out the MnDOT survey on this project to make their perspectives heard. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.